Just before we get into it, I just wanted to remind you guys that the Football Index podcast is supported by footballindextrader.co.uk, the best site for in-depth scouting and trading strategy. The second half of the season can be tough to navigate with trends shifting and players going in and out of fashion quickly. If you don't always know what you are looking for or like most busy people lack the time to crunch the stats on every game, having Football Index Trader as your assistant manager can really help. His latest analysis on navigating the second half of the season has just been published, so it's a great time to join. And you can head over to his site now to find out more. So that's footballindextrader.co.uk. So as an exclusive offer for podcast listeners, you can give the site a try with a 25% discount on your first month with the code FIG25. So that's F-I-G-2-5. Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast, episode 124. And today, I mean, this is a bit of a strange <laughs> show, but I'm rejoined by Footy Index LDN, who last appeared on episode 23 and back on episode 9. So that is quite literally an age ago. Mate, tell me what's been going on. Oh yeah, it's a bit mad. Your podcast has kind of taken off a little bit since I last came on. You've got a jingle and everything now. It's mad. Yeah, it's definitely, I was looking at some of the listenership numbers from the episodes that you appeared on and it's definitely come a long way, but <laughs> some people still listen to those episodes. You might find yourself having some proper fans that have listened <laughs> to those shows quite a few times, but you've been on the platform since 2015. You're one of the first joiners, right? Yeah, back in December 2015. Started off like most people, just started small gradually kind of got to grips with the platform and everything just went from there really awesome and i guess like you know we'll get straight into it you've had a brief spell away from the index and maybe not so brief over a year correct well <laughs> it would look that way <laughs> <laughs> now basically back in i think it was like october november 2018 i was basically just going through a few things in my personal life and there was times where i could see it wasn't just the index, it wasn't just social media, but there's various aspects of it where I knew it was affecting the way I acted, my personality kind of away from the index. And whenever I was on the index, I was always conscious that I never wanted my life to be ruled by a gambling platform. And I think it just got to a point where I kind of noticed that something wasn't quite right. So my reaction, my coping mechanism for some things is good or bad is just to kind of just go cold turkey and just cut everything out so I just kind of made the decision back in it was either October or November I can't remember just to a market sold most of my portfolio I left a little bit in there which I'll get back to in a minute and I literally just deleted all the social media apps on my phone just to kind of I don't know try and get everything back to normal just try and like eliminate anything that I thought might have been having a negative effect on my life and then just kind of get back to it if that makes sense type thing so yeah so I took I think it was actually four months that I was off of social media and off of football index completely. And then in, it would have been about maybe 10, 12 months ago, I just started to kind of come back onto social media a little bit, started dripping a little bit more money back into football index. And I think by the time we got around to about June or July of 2019, I'd pretty much reinvested everything that I'd taken out of the index about eight months prior to that yeah in the meantime i've been kind of under the guise of a different account purely because <laughs> when coming back one of the things i wanted to do was just to kind of ease myself 
back into it because this might sound stupid to some people, but where the account that I had was quite big. I know at the time I would have felt under, whether this is right or wrong or stupid or not, a bit of pressure to come back with all that attention that would come with it. So I just wanted to ease myself back in, make sure that I was comfortable with everything, with interacting with people online again. And yeah, it's kind of got to that stage now where I'm happy to try and, I guess, get back on the timeline and have a positive influence in the Football Index community on Twitter. Yeah, I remember you being one of the first accounts I followed back in the day when I joined the Index. I mean, it's definitely good and refreshing to have you back on. How did it feel to be kind of away from everything? I'm curious because I do remember kind of the summer after I left uni, I spent quite a lot of time on the Index. And it's quite honest and frank, it didn't feel like I was enjoying it. It didn't feel good. And I suppose like since then, I've obviously created this like brand and I've had to learn how to deal with kind of having to do a day job, like keep a social life, like check my portfolio or whatever, or make fix stuff and do other things, play sport, whatever, and having to juggle those things all around. And for me, I think I definitely struggled to do that when I left uni because I think the kind of lifestyle you have there and when you are in I think the quote-unquote real world are slightly different and it was definitely kind of a six to nine month I guess maturing process for me where I kind of just started to become a lot more disciplined with my time and efficient with it and now when I'm on Football Index and I'm trading like I'm enjoying every minute of it and when I'm sitting here talking to you I'm enjoying speaking to you I'm not feeling anxious about whether or not a player's price will drop or whatever and I think that a lot of people have messaged me in the past where they're like look like I am really scared about this or conscious about this and there's only so many things that I can say to allay fears for people whether it's about certain players or the actual business model of football index and sometimes I'm just like look you know this is all I've got to say and honestly and truly if it's affecting you that much I don't think you should have this much money in it and that's been my honest answer to a lot of people in the past. Yeah I mean initially when I left like the first thing I did was it was just a certain weekend I just switched off all my notifications on my phone and it kind of felt like there was a massive weight lifted off my shoulders. And that was kind of the point at which I knew that I shouldn't be feeling this way about a gambling platform, or I shouldn't be feeling this way about some random person on Twitter that I'm having an argument with. Like, <laughs> like literally, what am I getting out of it type thing? So initially when I left, it was, I felt good about it. I didn't miss it because I don't know if I touched on this just now, but I'd stopped enjoying Football Index. I'd always said that if I wasn't enjoying myself, I don't care how much money there is to be made. The money is nice, but your general happiness is obviously a lot more important than that. So that was an underlying reason as to why I kind of stopped. I also don't think I was really using the platform in a way that I would describe responsibly, like you just touched on. I was spending far too much time on it. I had so many accounts on Twitter that I'd set up notifications so that when news broke that I'd see it first. But while that's good from a trading standpoint, it also never lets you get away from Football Index. It's literally a new notification every couple of minutes, so you're constantly thinking about it. And before you know it, you've got a Sunday where all of a sudden it goes from 1 o'clock to 10 o'clock in the evening and all you've been doing is refreshing your phone, trying to see who scored the first goal in each game, and it just got too much. And it was one thing that I never really used to value from like a point of view of like the amount of money you're making over a certain amount of time. One of the things I didn't value was my own time. And more and more, not just with Football Index, but just with life in general, I start to factor in my time when it comes to doing certain things, even to the point of which externally away from the index, I'm more likely to spend money on something that is going to 
save me time or make my life more comfortable or easier. Sorry to interrupt you, but I've genuinely taken a similar approach in terms of my time. Like I definitely do the same kind of thing. If this thing saves me 30 minutes or this like Uber makes me get home 45 minutes earlier and I can sleep for longer. Like those are things that I really place great importance on these days. You can make money back. You can get a lot of stuff back, but you can never get your time back. So for me, time is an invaluable commodity. So it all kind of filters into, which we can get onto later. I've got a slightly different strategy as to what I had when I was on Football Index all those months ago. So yeah, so I feel like the four or five month break was good. I always said while I was on the index that if I needed to leave, I would leave. I never said that I'd always kind of be invested in the index. I always had confidence in my own ability that if I took money out, I'd be able to come back in and continue to make money. It kind of knocks that early investment strategy on the head. As you well know, there's always money to be made on Football Index. But yeah, now I'm back. I feel better about the platform than I think I ever have, I think. Mm. We'll go into some miscellaneous questions just now. Football Index Buzz, who I think you know relatively well from your time on Twitter it's one of the early kind of trading accounts he says no way I knew I liked FI Rocket and now I know why first question has to be how you found out it was Footy Index LDN and how long he's been hiding the secret (laughs) I think he reached out to me first I think in October last year I think yeah and I actually had all my DM notifications switched off so I didn't see the message for like a couple of months but then I think he reached out again more recently Wow, the persistence from me. (laughs) You just wouldn't let me be, would you? (laughs) So yeah, Fig found me. And yeah, what was the second part of the question? It was how long you've been hiding it. Oh yeah, so I kind of touched on that. So yeah, I've been back on since about February, March, April. It was just before the share split happened and then gradually increased the amount of money I've got in Football Index up to about June or July, I think. But yeah, I've been trading. I only really had a three or four month break. Yeah, and I think to that first part of the question, it was actually kind of RC who rattled you a little bit, didn't he? (laughs) Because I was like, I think you commented on something and I was like, I'll trade you for a pod appearance because I seen you'd kind of blanked a couple of my DMs and I knew something was up. I was like, this is a bit weird. Like this guy interacts with me quite a lot, but then he doesn't return any of my messages. It was like a one way street. I felt like you were like the really hot girl that I was trying to to go on a date with or something. The thing is, when RC says something nice in the timeline, I get suspicious. So, <laughs> uh, nah. And then you just sent me the screenshot of kind of like you with both Twitter accounts. And I was like, I genuinely, I didn't know what was going on. And I was just like, this is, what? Like, that makes no sense. And then like, slowly started to piece it together. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Blah, blah, blah. And because I think you messaged me and you were like, yeah, look, like I'll explain in a minute. I'm busy right now. And then I think the next day that I woke up, I got this fat paragraph from you. And I was like, oh, fair enough. You know, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. I thought I'd give you this screenshot so you knew that it wasn't someone trying to steal my identity. <laughs> a couple of questions in from old man fi andy my question why did you abandon us and he says follow-up question when will you return to our loving sweaty bosom filled embrace <laughs> so yeah i've already touched on the reasons why i left but for anyone who doesn't know there's been a group chat that i've been involved in since i joined football index there are a few of us in there and that's what andy is referring to as a sweaty bosom so i'm back andy <laughs> i hope you haven't missed me too much the real F.I. Cole, this has got to be one of the best pictures for a fig cast. And I think you enjoyed this one oh, as yeah. well, didn't you, at the end? That was mad. I was genuinely laughing. Like some of them images 
What was the one recently with Panda? I don't know if people would have seen it, but there was an Uncle Ben's Rice, and if you zoom in, <laughs> zoomed in, it, it said Uncle Richard on it or something else. I don't so. think a lot of people clocked that one, but you know, it's the little things, isn't it, from Show Ponies? Someone else glad to have signed him on to a six-figure, six-year deal. He's uh, <laughs> some talent, isn't he? Yeah, don't let him get away. <laughs> if only Arsenal could do that with Saka he says has Neymar's desire to not play football on his sister's birthday just gone too far it is getting a bit ridiculous now like originally it just it could have been a coincidence but now I it don't know it can't be now it can't I'm be. not so sure and the fact that it was just a, a yellow card that he easily could not have got at the end of the game it does add to the suspicion I've not really followed it too much and I'll be honest I don't know when his sister's birthday is but hasn't he timed this one badly I keep seeing people on Twitter saying he won't actually be banned for for her birthday. Yeah, I think there's a cup game or something. I don't know. Yeah, I've seen a couple of the same things. I actually don't know, but someone can correct us if we're wrong. But so I saw rumours that I think it's carnival in Brazil soon. And so I saw rumours that he's been there every year for the past however many years, especially since he's been at PSG. But I think an article came out about a month or so ago when he was out injured and it was something around him wanting to be in Paris and focusing on football instead of going to carnival. And then lo and behold, you know, the extra yellow. And then here we are, really. Yeah, I can see Neymar at a carnival, to be fair. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's too hard to picture. No, 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 no. Like, with beads around his neck and all that. Brazil colours. <laughs> We've got a question here from Stu Reed. When are we getting fig merch? Wait, that's a good idea, you know. If I can do merch, I don't see why you can't. I don't know what I'd do, though. I don't know. You could get, like, the Photoshop images that you get done for this podcast. The best ones, you could do prints. What, like posters? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Or like, what was it, the fig tarts that got made for you for that epic episode? From Sigmund, yeah. I'm not sure I could basically essentially contract his wife out to become like a baker. I mean, if there's enough interest, we'll see what can happen. I mean, Matt keeps going on. Show Pony keeps getting at me to do it. So I don't know. I don't know. We've got some priorities on my list at the moment. So let's see if that comes into it at any point. But just before we properly get into some questions, just need to remind you guys that this podcast is supported by Index Game. They are a third party data provider for Football Index and they've got a wonderful community on Slack. I don't know if you use them at all, LDN, or if you did before your hiatus. Yeah, you know me from when I was on it before. Like, I'm quite a data-driven guy when it comes to making decisions. And I probably use the analytical tools more than I do the Slack community just because it's a lot to keep up with going to Slack. I mean, it's great for lots of people for different reasons, but the analysis, I don't like making impulsive decisions without some form of data behind it. So... It just gives me peace of mind and it actually helped me make a chunk of the profits that I've made since I come back prior to the dividend review because they put out some really good analysis on what scores might have been if the new matrix had been in place in previous years type thing. So it gave a good overview of the type of players that might see an uptick in scores, which drove most of my decisions that I made prior to the dividend review back in November. Well, there we go. I don't really need to plug them anymore. That was pretty good. If you guys want to have five quid off your first month, you can use the code FIG2020. But that's not all. If you go for the semi-annual plans, that's six months, you get a month free and five quid off. So that's a pretty good deal. So head over to indexgame.co.uk and get five quid off your first month or your first month free and five quid off your six-month membership with FIG2020. Easy to remember code. And if you guys haven't checked out my latest YouTube video, it's the latest episode of the Bank Builder series 
is yes, LDN, I'm still doing that. And the latest episode <laughs> of the podcast was with who the hell was it with? <laughs> who was it with? Who was it? One, two, three. With De Kaiser and Profit Hunter. I can't believe I've forgotten. That's terrible. <laughs> Sorry, lads. I really enjoyed that one, actually. I mean, good to get a scouse voice on the pod. Talked a lot of sense as well, those two boys. So definitely check them out. I mean, yeah, Profit Hunter as well, nearly a year or two years hiatus from the podcast. So definitely check that one out. It was pretty good. See, my mind's finished today. Didn't get my pancakes. Didn't get my pancakes today. So that's one of the things. We've got a question here from Joe Felix. What made you come back? Like I touched on, I never really left. I just needed a bit, a bit of a breakaway. Like I've always liked the product that Football Index is as a different dimension to gambling. And yeah, it's just the, at its best, like the community is a fun place to be. It's good to interact with people about football and about various other things. So yeah, I never intended to stay away forever. It was just a small break that I needed, basically. Fair enough. And we've got a question here from KEMO20 from the forum. He says, hi, Rocket. What is your motivation to return and what strategy do you plan to adopt? And what's your biggest concern for the platform since returning? So I think you've answered the first one. What about those second two? That's interesting. Strategy and biggest concern at the moment. So initially when I was on the platform before, I had a very short-term focus when it came to trading. Just tried to kind of spot players that I thought would rise in the short term, ship them on and then go and invest elsewhere. I wanted to have a new strategy that kind of took my time away from the index a little bit more so I'd look for longer term opportunities and I'm now a lot more dividend driven than I used to be it makes me feel more comfortable about the players that I'm holding because if I feel like that there's more value behind them I'm not as worried by where their price is going to be in a month or two months or whatever and one of the good things about holding players that are fairly good at returning dividends is that if you do have rough patches where there's things out of your control like injuries and stuff like that that your portfolio might take a dip you've always got a regular stream of dividends coming in to kind of balance things out if that makes sense and it gives you opportunities to kind of go into new players or increase holdings in existing players without having to sell players that you might want to keep for a little bit longer if that makes sense yeah definitely i mean compounding is the eighth wonder of the world as einstein said right so it's <laughs> definitely very powerful it's one of his famous quotes that <laughs> one of his famous quotes. yeah what's your biggest concern platform wise that's returning i don't really have a massive concern really with a platform i mean i know that some people don't like the pace at which football index move with some of the improvements that people want but football index i know they've grown considerably since the early days but they're not a massive company the resources that they have aren't endless like some other bigger companies and i work for a company that i believe is a similar size so i've experienced similar issues that they're going to be experiencing where people want things yesterday and the fact is that some things especially when it comes to development and technical stuff some things people think oh that's just simple but literally some of the simplest changes can take two, three, four weeks to code, to QC, to do whatever type things. So one of my biggest concerns, and I don't mean this in a horrible way at all because I enjoy interacting with the community quite a lot, but sometimes the expectations that the community kind of have of Football Index, it can create quite a toxic atmosphere on Twitter sometimes. And I've had friends in the past that, They've been interested in the football index and then they go onto Twitter. They see a lot of reactions from traders with medium to big, sometimes small accounts, all types of accounts. 
they're putting them off due to the amount of negativity that can come up sometimes. I've got no problem with giving a company feedback on various issues and, or how they can improve. But I feel like there's a few things like sometimes the emotion that goes into some of the feedback is completely unnecessary. Like you can give a company feedback without throwing your toys out of the pram and swearing and all sorts type thing. And the other thing that kind of links into this is that sometimes I don't think we realise how privileged we are in the way that Football Index are incredibly interactive with us. Like some people might not agree with that, but there aren't many companies that will be this active with us on Twitter, take as much of the feedback on as we give them to kind of work with them to kind of help develop the product. And I feel like Football Index's willingness to work with us on certain issues ends up backfiring on them sometimes because people know that they listen. So they try and kind of take as much as they can from them, take the mic, they're more likely to respond to more stuff than they may usually. So I know it's never going to change because, and it's something I say is not going to change the way people react. And to be honest with you, this is probably a behaviour that exists across loads of different aspects of life and not just football index because people are much more likely to complain about something than they are to praise something. It's just the way that humans tend to be for some reason. But I'd like to see more accounts just tweeting about things like, these are my dividend wins for the last seven days. This is who won them. This is my best trade from the last, I don't know, seven days, 14 days, month or whatever. Like more people just talking about the platform, the money that they're making, the enjoyment they get out of it rather than complaining about it's like it's a competition as to who can come up with the next thing to complain about sometimes. So yeah, I guess it's not a concern because it doesn't change the way that I feel about football index. It's just something that I wish could change. Yeah, I think you've spoken really well there. I mean, a couple of the points I wouldn't necessarily I'd say I challenge, but I don't wholly agree with. I mean, the kind of aspect of us being privileged from a kind of like responsiveness standpoint, I think the modern day company the way that you kind of market and brand yourself, if you look at any companies that have probably started within the last like five, six, seven years, especially if they're kind of digital, that is very important because your kind of interactions with people online, et cetera, is quite important. And I think the expectation side is, it's an interesting comment. It really is. I think one of the things that has recently come out, I don't know if you've seen the Super Match Day dividends, the kind of terms and conditions for that. That's something that a lot of people are getting really concerned about in terms of the difference between net buys from a share standpoint or a money standpoint. And for me, I don't feel aggrieved that traders are annoyed that their expectation is that there is coherent and consistent communication. I actually probably get more frustrated with FI on that standpoint. There are some aspects, definitely, that I 100% agree with you. And I think more so that they're not, you are correct that the expectations set are probably a bit too high. But I do think there are some expectations that if there is no pressure there, then there is no kind of pressure for FI to improve to some extent. Yeah, I think the main thing is the speed at which people like... They think, oh, I'm going to give my feedback and I want it to be done like in a month or whatever. Yeah, and the bigger they get, the slower that's going to be, isn't it? Yeah, to an extent. And I mean, like, I've obviously been listening to your podcast over the last few months. And I fully agree that with the media buzz review that they're going to be doing, it needs to be done in a phased approach because there's lots of moving parts. Lots of stuff can go wrong if they try and rush too much stuff. So I'd hate for them to try and fix IPOs, media buzz, whatever, all in one go. Because 
in reality, it's just going to make things take longer. So yeah, it's obviously great that Football Index listen to us and it's imperative that they do to continue to grow. But I think sometimes I think we kind of need to give them a bit more space because I work for a company that take feedback from the users and how we can improve our service to them. And I can tell you from a personal point of view, people don't need to put emotion and get all upset in the feedback for us to listen to them. So I feel like giving more constructive criticism would be more beneficial and it it looks better from an outsider looking in as well. Do you think there should be more opportunity and a certain platform given by FI to allow that kind of feedback? Because I think one of the things that has caused this kind of Twitter echo chamber and on the forum and on Slack and Facebook, etc., is that there aren't that many of those surveys. There doesn't seem to be an opportunity for that feedback to be offered in a constructive way. And I'm not saying I'm blaming FI there. I'm just saying, like, is there something they could do to make them go to customers rather than the other way around, if that makes sense? Yeah, probably quite easily. I think they could set up like a NPS survey or something for a certain amount of time after someone's joined and get initial feedback from new users. They could potentially do some form of survey monkey or something at regular periods or intervals where they're asking about specific questions like the support email is always there so people are free to give feedback whenever and however they want but if they wanted to do it in a more structured way again i've worked for companies that do nps stuff for new customers and they do regular whether it's monthly bi-monthly quarterly surveys to get feedback on various areas that they're interested in the only issue with football index is they have to be a bit careful because When they ask some questions, you can kind of figure out what they are kind of thinking about or planning going forward. And if they ask the wrong questions, it could end up shifting the market in the wrong way. So it can be a difficult thing to do. They can always do better, but I do feel like there are, I don't know if people don't know about the support email or if they just like putting their views out on Twitter because they get more views or they think they're going to get responded to more quickly if they go out on Twitter. But there are places. I feel like putting feedback in the forum and on Slack probably isn't going to get seen on Twitter for sure. And like I said, the support at footballintakes.co.uk, every message gets seen. So there's various avenues, but you're right. They could definitely do better with some form of kind of automated feedback service that they could set up if they want our feedback, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'll move swiftly on because I'm aware that we've got loads of questions. We're already about 30 minutes in. During your time away traveling, have you kept an eye on FI evolving and how difficult was it to leave and last do you think defenders are still undervalued (laughs) that used to be your thing that used to be my thing (laughs) well i wish i was traveling but i wasn't so i didn't go anywhere (laughs) yeah i was thinking like he's kept that quiet (laughs) yeah i don't know where that assumption came from but i didn't get away anywhere like i touched on it wasn't difficult to leave i'm quite strong-willed so when i kind of said this is it for now like it was simple for me just switched everything off down just got rid of all the apps off my phone and just kind of got on with everything and do I think defenders are undervalued some of them are some of them aren't I don't think they're any less or more undervalued than any other position on football index part of the reason that I used to harp on about them so much back in early 2018 towards the end of 2018 is that even after they'd started adding a lot more players onto the platform I'm pretty sure there was still much more forwards and midfielders on the platform than there were defenders. Like you didn't have all the right backs and the centre backs in the French league on there, for example. So I felt like it was easier to find regular dividend winners. But since being back, I think the position I'm investing in at least is defenders. I only hold, I think I've got Trent, Hakimi, like I think just Ake for transfers or something like literally 
I could probably count the amount of defenders that I've got on one, maybe two hands. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one with defenders. There seems to be a lot more concentration of winners, right? In terms of there's a couple of the guys dominating. I mean, Trent has won quite a lot. Kimmich, obviously, a regular winner. And then part of the reason that he isn't as popular, I suppose, is because of that positional uncertainty. So the defender thing is interesting. I think we still have such a small sample size though, don't we, in terms of this season's PB. So be interesting to see how it goes on. We've got a question here from FI Headhunter. What would you estimate your profit figure would be if you'd continued to trade and not left? It's interesting this one because I don't think there's any guarantee that I would have made my I know there was a massive boom or a fairly big one in the I think Jan late December, January period to when I left, but I don't think there's any guarantee that I would have made a huge chunk of money. At the time that I left, I didn't hold the likes of Pogba or, or Rashford, like the some of the players that I saw kind of really, really take off. I was heavily invested into defenders at the time. So again, they weren't, as far as I'm aware, they weren't the type of players that kind of really kicked on. It's really tough to say. At the time that I left, I guess I was making around about one or two thousand pound a month or something. So if I kept on going at that, maybe I've missed out on, I don't know, five or six grand or something. But like I said, that money to me, I don't miss it. I don't think, oh, I wish I'd stayed on and got all that because I'm in a better kind of state of mind I am now without that money than I might have been if I had that money. A couple of questions here. One from De Kaiser, who was on the podcast last week. You should guys check it out. Completely forgot. How has your strategy changed since you've been away? And then FI Pirate from the forum says, are you confident you could do it all again with similar success in the current market? Will you look to employ a similar strategy this time around? I think you've kind of answered this to some extent, but why don't you go into the, I like the, are you confident you could do it all again side of things? Yeah, so when I was trading originally, if you took snapshots of my account every three to four months, I'd probably have a completely different portfolio or there'd be 70 to 80% of it that I'd changed. So I was kind of used to always kind of, even though I always had a portfolio, I was always used to kind of starting again, if that makes sense. And I still feel like there's so much value in players that are going to be returning dividends in the now, the near future, and in the future as well. So when it came to coming back, I didn't have any issue at all in investing in various players because I had the confidence that they would kick on again. It's just, I think, a familiarity with the platform, maybe an element of, I don't know, confidence, arrogance, whatever. But because I've done it so many times before, I never once thought when coming back, oh, it's going to be difficult to make money again because I'm essentially where I was one of the early adopters initially, I wouldn't have been at this point because I was coming back in to Football Index when there was a much bigger user base than there was when I initially started. And this leads really nicely into the FI investors question from Slack, from the Index Game Forum. What brought you back to Football Index and what are the biggest changes you have noticed since you have been back, i.e. trading behaviours, trends, prices? He says, please avoid talking about platform bugs, FI comms, payment issues and complicated promos. Bored of that stuff now, thanks. So, <laughs> yeah, have you noticed anything significantly different from trading behaviours or trends, prices standpoint? Yeah, so platform bugs, FI comms, payment issues. No, I'm joking. I won't do that <laughs> to FI Investor. No, so initially, just not necessarily with the Windex itself, but I touched on this, I think, at the start of the podcast there's been some really good additions to the football index community with there's a lot more in-depth analysis going on it makes my stuff look like 
I used to kind of work it all out of an abacus or something. <laughs> There's an account that I particularly like that he started doing tactical analysis and all that kind of stuff. I find it really interesting because while I've been watching football since I was like five or six and I feel like I can look at a game of football and think, oh, this needs to happen, that needs to happen, to kind of see him go into the detail that he does with all the different formations and stuff. like I find that fascinating and you can kind of adapt it a little bit to the way that your players and your portfolio might perform. So yes, there's been some really good additions to the community. With Football Index in general, this appears to be a much more... There was lots of people investing in youth when I left initially. There's become an even bigger focus on the younger player. Sometimes I feel like it's right, but there are a lot of occasions where... There's young players I've got no problem investing in, but there's other players that, for whatever reason, I guess I don't see the value in a lot of them. It's just kind of that, the way that people are just trying to jump onto the next thing. And sometimes people might be more comfortable jumping on what they think might be the next big thing if they're pound fifty instead of being £6 or something. So yeah, so there's been, in general, one more, I'm probably going to contradict myself a little bit, but there is a more logical focus on some of the investments into the younger players. Like I can, when I was involved initially, I didn't see it. But now where I've had, I've listened to people, I've kind of seen their rationale behind it, the whole career dividends thing. It does make a lot more sense that players like Jaden Sancho, like Trent Alexander-Arnold are a lot more expensive because they've got a lot more time to show what they can do to become the best player in the world or whatever, or simply just return more dividends. So when I left, it was very much focused on, okay, who's going to return dividends this season? And that appeared to be where most of the money tended to go whereas now rather than who's going to return dividends this season it appears to be like who's showing traits at various ages that they could become that next big thing if that makes sense it's funny because i know i've talked about the career dividends and the value of the player now versus the future dividends that they could return there's obviously a lot of talk that if the player isn't going to return the value and dividends of how much they cost at the moment that they're potentially a bad investment i didn't like that argument for a very long time but then i read an article by taking value and he kind of explained the concept behind it and i understand it a lot more now than i did initially when the idea was getting thrown around but it's still not I'm not saying I don't disagree with it. I agree with the concept behind it. I feel like that mindset can hold back the value of various players in some cases, whereas perhaps it shouldn't. And the reason that I kind of say it is because if you look at Paul Pogba's dividend returns since October 2015, they're £4.51 and he's priced at, what, £5.90-ish now? So in a more mature market, I think it would be a very valid argument, but I don't know. While I do completely understand the concept behind it and I don't disagree with it, I don't particularly like the fact that it's become as important as it has done because I do feel like it's kind of gone to the extreme where it's pushing traders away from certain players who could return decent dividends in the next one to two years with people getting to the age of 28 and 29 and people are scared to invest in them because... They're not 22, 23. Mm. I suppose that the pressure is on for those players to return dividends. And if they don't, then experiencing volatility in those players isn't something to be surprised at, I suppose. I think I try and phrase it as easiest as I can, the kind of dividend over a lifetime thing as how do football index IPO players, like how do they price them? And the way they price them is simply whether or not they think they need to assess how much dividends that they're going to pay out over that player's life. 
And the higher that they think that is, the higher that they'll IPO them. Logically, that's how they should do it. So I think there's a lot of logic there. But in terms of like, it's not the be all and end all. I don't think that's what anyone is saying. But I think what the conversation that I had with Sigmund and Sam bore fruit mostly for was, I think Sam said something like, it's an anchor point for me when I'm investing in players. And I definitely disregard it with a lot of my purchases. But he said that logically, like the bigger this thing gets and the more traders there are on, naturally that anchor will become probably more and more important. And especially if we talk about market cap a lot and whether or not that's in another 900 million pounds or another couple billion pounds, who knows? And, you know, those numbers might actually come to fruition in the future. That thing will definitely be more important because it will be a get out first thing. At the moment, it's not as important, but we're seeing with, as you mentioned, that the Sanchos, the Trents, those guys that have that strongest anchor are at the top of the index, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. And I think the thing with me on this is that if you look at the top dividend returners since 2015, they haven't returned anywhere near their current value on the football index. I think only Ronaldo has, but he's obviously dropped or stagnated over a period of time. And I feel like with the dividend increases that people are expecting from the reviews, when they go up, the players are just going to go up again and, and get even more out of reach of that kind of potential sum at the end of their career type thing. I'm much more in favour of just thinking of it in a way of okay, I actually don't trade like this anymore because I know that the rest of the community doesn't. This is just my view on it. I preferred to trade in a way of, okay, who's going to return a decent chunk of dividends over the next 12 to 18 months and kind of go into it that way. But I've learned that you just can't do that anymore because people don't have the patience with players that are in that 28 to 32 kind of age range that they used to. You see players like Fabian Ruiz, for example, like he went up to similar prices as like Luis Alberto and Parejo and Pjanic. But his price, even though that he's either returned less or a similar amount of dividends as those three other players, his price has been protected by the fact that he's younger, he's got more time to return the dividends, he's got the potential transfer in him. So I completely get it. It's taken me a while to kind of accept that I need to kind of adopt this into my trading strategy more than I used to, more than I would like. But if you looked at my portfolio, you wouldn't know that I had a gripe with this because most of my portfolio <laughs> now is set up to account for, like people argue about Haaland's price all the time, but in my view, he looks like he's going to be one of, if not the best number nines of a generation if he keeps up the way he is. So when Lewandowski is priced at £2.50, I see no problem with Haaland when he was priced at £4. I thought he's worth a lot more than that, for example. So I have been trading with this in mind, but it's just something that took a while for me to get my head around. And if anyone still is having issues getting their head around it, I would highly recommend reading Taking Values blog when you've got 10 or 15 minutes because he really does do a good job of explaining the concept behind it. Need to get him back on the pod, I think. He's a class act, very smart guy. Yeah, I think it is interesting though because although you say that I think that most people buying Bruno Fernandes, for example, I'm not sure that they're looking at his dividend output for the rest of his career because that would be very hard to judge because me and you could probably sit here for an hour and say he's going to be the best player at United for the next three years and the other could say, well, actually, they're probably going to buy a couple players better than him in the summer who may attract more media. So it's super hard. And I think sometimes that uncertainty can breed a lot of opportunity that we've seen with Fernandez recently. So, I mean, sometimes people do buy for the next 
three fixtures, the next six weeks, the next 12 months, and the next 18 months. I think the overarching point that Taking Value and Sam in the podcast make is that anchor point is important. And I guess it's just come to prominence the more we've seen the likes of Zlatan with a knee injury, the kind of bounce backs we've seen with Depay and Zaniolo recently in terms of like them getting injured and just bouncing back. Even like Andre Gomez, for example. I mean, I'm an Arsenal fan. He just like broke two bits of his ankle and then was back in 100 days like I don't know if that happens if he's like 30 31 32 for example so the logic for me it makes sense and it's not all that I use when I'm purchasing players but there's definitely an anchor point and it feels more logical when doing so yeah like I said I've become a lot more receptive to it I think it just took a bit of time because I was used to valuing players in a very different way and it had worked for me in the past so when there's this new concept that comes up it took a little bit of time accepting. But yeah, there's aspects of it I do like and I don't like. But to be honest with you, more serious people coming onto Football Index, um, they are going to look for that longer term value. So the majority of my portfolio now is invested into the top end because that's where I see the value and I feel like others might. I think that's the other thing though, isn't it, LDN? It's like if you had a FX trader or a commodities trader you brought him onto the platform he was like okay 100k is nothing to me he's like look this is money that i'd spend on a week in vegas so let me just chuck this into this thing but i want to understand you know how it works like these players all trend to zero don't they and you'd have to say you know yeah sure i feel like someone who comes from more that traditional side of things and i've spoken to these people right before they very much have a tough time thinking about a player who's like trending towards zero they're on like if you imagine a bell curve they are on the trend down that people are still buying heavily so they struggle with that so i think that kind of anchor point the reason why i said it's going to become more important is because if we have order books and the intrinsic dividend returns become more and more important because the more dividends someone returns or has the potential of returning the more liquid they're going to be and the more demand they're going to have i think it's just going to become more important and i mean a lot of people don't like it i mean blah 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 but I think there's a a general consensus very broad one that that's the kind of way that FI will go towards as a market but I think we've talked about that quite a lot unless you want to completely you know bury me in the ground with a priceless (laughs) line that you've been cooking up no no no, that's good I think yeah we'll get taken value on again get him to suss us out (laughs) he can counter everything that I've just said FI Northern Gunner, good man. How did you find out about the platform and what gave you the confidence that Football Index was a viable product back in 2015? That's a good question. So I found out about the platform through a guy from work that I probably owe a couple of drinks. (laughs) He had a friend who worked in the city and his friend saw an advert in City AM. He told my friend at work and my friend told me and me and the guy at work, we both just kind of started with, with 50 quid and just thought, oh, let's see how it goes. I think I bought like John Stones, Douglas Costa, Aubameyang. There was less bad players you could buy back then because there was only 200 on there. So there's less embarrassing stories really. But the answer is I didn't know if it was a viable product and even think of it that way back then. I was just thought, oh, it's 50 quid. Let's, let's have a bit of fun. Portfolio goes up and down by one or two p every now and again and, and kind of go from there do you know what i can't remember what made me think it was a viable product all i know is that i started to invest properly in 2017 january 2017 i don't know what the trigger point was whether it was accounts on twitter giving me more confidence or i'm pretty sure they just signed an advertising deal with talk sport or something like there was a few things that triggered 
my confidence to get more into the product. That's generally it, really. Awesome. I mean, yeah, I remember when I first saw it, I was like, oh, this looks a bit weird, but there's some in there, you know, there's something there. They're lucky I saw that Facebook ad that day. And here we are about f- four years or so later. And God knows why we thought it when you, if you can get, I think, is it FI Bruce Wayne who's got all them screenshots from back, back in the day, like the state of the UI and stuff, like why we, <laughs> or the UX rather, like why we thought, oh yeah, that's fine. Let's chuck a few hundred pound in here type thing. Like it was not he's the king of screenshots isn't he he's got some great screenshots man (laughs) (laughs) i'm not sure where he's found you could literally be like oh just say any random date and he'd find something which i don't know where he stored them all his phone must not have the memory (laughs) anyways before we move on i need to remind you guys that today's episode is brought to you by the athletic they're a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage for diehard fans featuring football reporters on the ground with national writers you know and love like david ornstein james pierce sambley and rafa honigstein who wrote a really nice piece about cruise today it was like, uh, I don't get nervous or something like that by Tony Cruz. I mean, you can tell that by the way he plays. And They don't have any ads. It's not clickbait. It's just amazing writing. And you've joined today for 50% off your annual subscription. You can use the athletic.co.uk forward slash fig. So that's the athletic.co.uk forward slash fig. And it's £2.49 a month if you go with their annual deal and the 50% off for that annual subscription using the fig code. And basically what I'm going to do every episode, I'm going to list things that cost more than £2.49. So I went on Tesco's. <laughs> I actually did this, went on Tesco's. <laughs> Some Lurpak spreads, a Tesco cheddar plowman sub, and a box of shreddy cereal, all of those are above £2.49 each. So, you know, or half a pint in any London pub if you uh, <laughs> if you live here. So, yeah, it's not a lot. If you guys really enjoy reading about football, then again, theathletic.co.uk forward slash fig. And uh, I don't know if you've got a subscription. No, yeah, I think I just need to kind of wipe on it. Yeah, well, I, I, need, go, I need to wipe how much I like Lurpak spread, to be honest. Although being serious, I've been really intrigued by The Athletic ever since it kind of appeared. And I think your code is going to give me that push to kind of get it because it's cheap as chips. And I always see loads of... It's actually cheap as Lurpak cheap spread. Cheap as Lurpak spread. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, not chips. Although chips, £2.49, that sounds about right as well, doesn't it? Depends where you go, I guess. Yeah, I think I'll be signing up. I always get intrigued by the headlines on Twitter that I see and I've been stubborn to sign up because it's not normal behaviour to pay for news. But I think the more and more I'm seeing of it and the fact that it's not that expensive in the grand scheme of things, I'm probably going to end up signing up, I think. Yeah. One of the things... One of the things. One of the things that I really enjoy. No, one of the things that I really enjoy about it is the kind of Q&As they do with writers sometimes after games. I like them a lot. But then from an FI standpoint, it's super useful during the transfer window. They'll do like Q&As with kind of your James Pierce's, your David Ornstein's, etc. And they're super, super good. So, you know, get some FI value out of it as well. We've got loads of questions left, though. We've got one from Alex here. Is the youth hype now overvalued? Example, why buy Fatty, who could potentially be the next Mane, when you could buy the ready-made Mane for cheaper? <laughs> I, like, I think this is the most liked question well, on Twitter, so props to Alex. Yeah, this got a lot of likes. So I think I kind of touched it a little bit in my previous mini rant. There's some aspects of it that are, but some that aren't. There's some players that are proving at the age of 20, 21, and even 19 in Sancho's case, that they are doing things that people their age don't normally do. 
I think the risk comes in the younger players where there's a lot of hype around them. There's a lot of good clips on Twitter. There's a lot of good YouTube videos. There's a lot of good, I don't know, every now and again, you might see an article that says this player is going to be in the England squad in 2024 or whatever. Those type of players are, for me, more risky to get involved the in. The further away those predictions are, the more inaccurate they are. The amount of times that you see a Daily Mail article from four years ago saying this is what the next England squad's going to be like and you haven't heard <laughs> of half the players. I see this youth hype in two different ways. I see the youth player, some people may not because they've been around for so long, but a class players like Trent Alexander-Arnold and Marcus Rashford as young players, because I'm pretty sure even though Rashford's been around for what seems like years, he's still only, I think he's 22. I think when people say youth, they instantly think of the, the people that haven't got pictures on football index of their profiles. because It's because people associate it with youth football, right? Yeah, exactly. And in response to the Fatty Mane example, I guess the reason that people were investing in Fatty is because it's a gambling product and people are trying to take that gamble on who is going to be the next big thing. And the fact is, if this Fatty trade, and I don't own Ansu Fatty just for, I don't know, you always have to say that we talk about a player, <laughs> don't you? I don't own him, but if he does turn out to be the next big thing, you're going to earn a hell of a lot more money out of Fatty than you will holding Mane until... I don't know, the end of his career or over a similar time period. And I say that as someone who holds Mane and someone who doesn't hold Fatty. And we also know what we're getting with Mane, don't we? Exactly. Like He wins media buzz every now and again, but it's only ever going to be if he scores the winning goal for Liverpool in a fairly important game where there's not a massive media story on that day. Or if he gets injured, like there's not going to be any massive hype around him because we're used to him. It's similar to Salah now, like he doesn't get as much press now because we're used to him. When he does play well, we're used to it. So he is going to return a fairly, if you look at it from an outsider looking in, like he's probably still going to do, I don't know, five, seven, maybe 10% in dividends every year. Well, not every year, but based on his current price this year and maybe next year, I don't know. But while obviously Fatty could be the next Bojan, I can completely <laughs> understand why people will pay that price for him and the other side is that people don't always factor in is that even though Fatty is more expensive than Mane there's a lot less shares in circulation because of where his starting point in price was and some people don't care about the price and they're just like I want a thousand of him and if there's enough of those traders the younger players will just become higher because people if they feel like they're going to be a good player they don't care about the price yeah it's so true you see that a lot on twitter actually when players ipo it's like i don't care what price i get him at i just want him which is i guess quite a powerful thing in terms of chucking a player's price upwards in price i mean i'm curious to hear ldn what do you think will happen with some of these prices when order books are around so I'm not going to profess to be any sort of expert with order books and a lot of my opinions are going to come from other people from things that I've heard from people that do understand how an order book works and based on the logic that I've been hearing I don't know what's going to happen to players like Fatty who they're highly priced youngsters who although they're highly priced they have I'd be interested to know how many shares are held in Fatty versus like a £1.20 player who's been on the platform since day one for example I don't know how that would affect any sort of liquidity in the player. The one thing that I do know, or I feel like I've been, because originally I was really, really kind of anxious about all the books because I didn't understand them. But one thing that I've kind of taken away from all of the chat around all the books is that I'm not saying this is the right thing, but I feel like my money is better invested in 
players that have more intrinsic value, players that are going to be more likely to return dividends because I can see, I know this has been said over and over again on your pod, but I can see those prices, the difference between the the instant sell and the buy price getting a lot closer because I can see traders constantly trying to undercut each other to get players for slightly cheaper by being the market maker. So, And you see that all the time on Betfair with massive, massive football games, those odds. Yeah, like if you look at Trent Alexander now, on the top of my head, I think he's about £7. I think his instant sell price is £6.66. I reckon there's traders out there that would buy order in for £6.80 or £6.90. And then all of a sudden, the spread goes from being 34 pence or whatever percent that is to 10 pence. And with some players, I can see it being really tight. And then when lower down, especially if you can see the market depth, which by the looks of things you can from the screenshots that Football Index have shared, I can see it be a lot more challenging. I'm not just saying this because of the way that my portfolio is structured. The reason my portfolio is structured this way is because I believe the, the things that I've heard. I can see it be a lot more challenging trading lower down. But again, same thing. Huge spreads could open up and an opportunity might arise where players sell prices or buy prices or whatever become too low and people might have an opportunity to make a quick buck down there as well. So in all honesty, I haven't got a clue, but I just feel more comfortable having my money in players that I feel have more genuine value I can see money going that way I think you've mentioned in other podcasts that the potential bigger players coming into football index have been surprised that there's not an order book in place or they want an order book so if people with more money they're not going to chuck a hundred thousand pound into a 50p player they're going to go into the bigger players so I don't know I feel like we're going to see a shift at some point because players although they might seem expensive now when you factor in that we had £24 players for a 23p dividend on one day, now we've got £9 players for a 21p dividend in one day. There's no reason why that, that top end can't take off again at some point. Yeah, and I don't want to go back to the age thing, but that £24 player was considerably older than the top player right now. So I'm not saying it could go a, a lot higher, but there's definitely an aspect there where those numbers aren't too ridiculous that you're talking about but we'll move on to the next question here by Cheeky Hammer FI unlucky yesterday against Liverpool what are your thoughts on promos like super match day dividends having relatively hidden terms like only applicable if you have positive net buys or spend we could see a Twitter meltdown on payout day with people not getting a bonus because they hadn't realised or FI shooting themselves in the foot and I think I talked about this before didn't I or we discussed this before I do think this is like an honest mistake and it's just got to be the money amount, isn't it? Yeah, so I've not taken the time to fully understand this because I've not changed my trading strategy based on this promo at all. So when the question says, well, is there going to be a Twitter meltdown if there's no payouts? There probably will. Suggesting that people aren't aware of the... It's not a hidden term because everyone knows about it. Like people read the terms and conditions and people find out about it. So it's not like anyone that knows that this promo exists... I'd imagine 90% of them are going to be people on Twitter quite regularly. So they're going to be aware. I think the problem is, is that, and this is the same across all terms and conditions, because they have to be written in a way that is legally kind of protective. So it's not always straightforward to understand, but maybe they could have preempted the feedback that may have come that way and have something a little bit more human-like in a Q&A section or something. And I also feel like if they had just something somewhere on the platform that could just literally say between this period of time you are positive or negative in net spend or net buyers or whatever it would allay the fears of people and it would give them more of an understanding of kind of where they're at so they know whether to expect 
the extra dividends or not. Yeah, it's just adding transparency, isn't it? Yeah, and part of me also thinks that whether it's her term and condition that Football Index have just put in there to protect themselves and whether it's actually anything they'd actually act on. I think the issue is that it's been said differently in two different places, which is the main issue. So I think in some emails it's been said net spend and with a lot of posts and on the terms and conditions it's been said as net buys in terms of share amounts. Yeah, so it's just that proofreading thing again, isn't it? That is, yeah, that's the kind of thing that I was alluding to at the beginning of the show. But I just feel that they have to look at that and be like, look, hold our hands up and this is the one. And the net money one seems more logical, right? Because if I want money in the market, otherwise you could essentially just buy a gajillion of a 23p player. And I mean, it wouldn't work out that way, but or, you know, a player that could actually win or get some PB points over that period of time. And actually, you know, you'd make money from that or you could push yourself into the net buy kind of category. So it's a bit of a weird one. I would like to think that it's net money spent. Yeah, it'd be nice if they could, in that email that they send around, I don't know if it's every week or twice a week, if they could just list your net spend or your net buyers or whatever it's supposed to be, just to tell you, okay, this is what you could earn and this is where you're at. So you know if you need to spend more money or whatever, if you want to qualify for the dividends and it just adds that level of transparency. And then I don't think people would be as bothered, but on the net spend, net buyers thing, it just comes down to the whole proofreading side of things and kind of backs up the point that this promo is complicated because there's evidence there that maybe Football Index got confused by their own promo. <laughs> Quite something that, if it's true. Phil, Phil Tyra says, with PB having its annual review in summer and MB also likely to change given the recent survey, is it safe to extrapolate current dividend performance even for the safe holds when evaluating a player's intrinsic value and therefore price? And then Football Index Focus says, with dividends now set for an annual review, would you like FI to confirm that the matrix would be subject to the same annual review or should FI set the metrics in stone for a minimum period of, say, two to three years. So I don't really know where this matrix review notion has come from. I think it's an old wives, not an old wives tale, but it's just Chinese whispers, I think. It's just one of those things that someone says it on Twitter, it gets misinterpreted and then all of a sudden everyone thinks of it as fact because people, and I'm guilty of this as well, I'm not, digging anyone out but people they see something on the internet and think oh well that's been said so that's fact so (laughs) and then people assume that the pb matrix is going to be reviewed every year which is definitely not what football index have said so on football index focuses question first i'd like football index to come out and say that i don't know it's tough i don't want them to change the pb matrix because i think it's a lot better than it was currently and i think the gripes that people have with it it's never going to be perfect. There's always going to be someone complaining about something. And I think it does a fairly good job of reflecting who the better player, not necessarily the best, because that is subjective across, like you can go to loads of different websites and you get people that have rated people differently based on the same data. Like it's just, it's one of those things. But from the point of view of keeping the matrix the same, I'd like Football Index to kind of state in some sort of way that it's especially not going to change this summer so that people aren't put off investing or putting money into certain players going into next season. I think it's dangerous to kind of put a specific time frame on the PB matrix remaining the same purely because new data might become available that could make the matrix better. I guess if I was to choose, if I had to say, like, you need to pick and not sit on the fence, like fantasy football, I know it's a lot less complicated, but I'm pretty sure their rules stay the same more or less every year in regards to the point scoring. I think there's some 
slight changes sometimes. Yeah, I feel like if Football Index said we're not going to change anything unless, I don't know, even then, because I don't like them closing everything off, but if you put a time frame on it of two or three years, then you're just going to create that uncertainty again in the future. It's like just putting a Band-Aid on the situation. So I think it's a really difficult... All I know is that I like the PB matrix a lot more now than I did before, and I wouldn't change it. And I feel like people asking for it to change... If you find tweets of them asking for more stability in the platform and then they're asking for the PB matrix to change, like they're asking for two <laughs> completely different things. I feel like if Football Index are going to attract new customers, they need an element of stability in various aspects of the product for a good period of time now because a lot has changed in the not so recent past. And there's stuff coming up as well. So to change like media bars, IPOs, order books, and to change the PB matrix and to potentially change the, the PB dividends in the review at the end of the season, it's a lot to change and it would be massively changing the bets that we've got. If I had to say, I'd like them to say the matrix is the matrix and we're working on other stuff. Yeah, I think one of the things that I said, I don't think anyone is disagreeing with the notion that the matrix isn't perfect. I don't think anyone is saying that the matrix is perfect. But if you are applying context to the current situation, which is the order books are likely to be implemented in the next, say, I don't know, six months, they still, and by they I mean FI, haven't announced euro payments or what those payments will look like. Media Buzz is simply a horror show at the minute from a scoring perspective, from a names being picked up perspective from a kind of just, you know, the amount of sources that are used, the sentiment scoring matrix. We've seen a lot of tweets today about the Express and how they seem to get picked up more than anyone else. Why is that the case, etc. And then the dividend review in August, we still haven't had any information on that. So I think considering the current climate that we're in from a market standpoint and a product standpoint, I think it's really hard for someone to argue that it's a good idea to change literally every single thing that gives players on FI underlying value and change the mechanics of actually buying and selling shares all within six months of each other. I think that's actually crazy. It goes back to the point I made towards the start of the podcast about the community. Sometimes it seems like people just kind of, it's like a competition to see who can complain about the next new thing type thing. So every single aspect. Of- there's always something. I think I said it yeah. on a podcast with Kieran and Mike, like there's always something that's on a trader's mind. To- yeah, and once all this stuff gets done, people are going to be probably screaming about shares all over again. It's just a cycle. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, to Phil's question, it's harder and harder to price players when there are so many variables in the air. I mean, we've just mentioned it, the MB side of things, the dividend review, the euros. We don't know what the actual payouts are going to be there. Order books. Like it's hard to say what a player's current value is to some extent until those things kind of get talked about and disclosed from a communication standpoint by FI. I guess you just have to trade with the current circumstances in mind. And like, I know that everyone is expecting a dividend increase, or I think most people are expecting a dividend increase before the start of next season, but it's been kind of titled as a dividend review. There's no guarantee in there that they are going to increase the dividends. So one of the things that I'm worried about is that people are going to get overexcited in advance of the announcement from Football Index and there could potentially be overinvestment into players. So 
it all depends on the health of their business at that point, I guess. So we just have to take things as they come. But I'm not going to be trying to predict what's going to happen with the review. I'm just going to trade as normal. And where I've got lots of my money tied up in the younger, what I like to call the more proven younger players, I'm not too concerned by what happens in that review because I know that the value of those players in general is going to still be there because football index aren't going to do anything or they're not or they're going to try not to do anything that's going to drastically change the value in lots of our bets because there's too many traders there's too much money in the platform for them to be causing waves like that yeah i think overarchingly changing everything at the same time is kind of i just don't understand the argument for it it's a really tough argument to put across in a very convincing way to me because of the reasons that I've just listed like if you consider all the facts that we have on the table where FI have kind of insinuated that the MB is going to be reviewed and then the other things that I've just mentioned or listed it's very tough to be like well go on let's chuck the PV matrix in as well because then you get to a situation where literally everything that gives players value is being reviewed at the same time or within a six-month time frame. It just doesn't make any sense to me. We've got a question from Dr. FI here. Would you like to see Supermatch Day points become a permanent part of the platform rather or alongside PB dividends or rather PB dividends give intrinsic value to match day points? Perhaps would need some tweaking too, but providing 1P dividends per 500 match day points, for example. And part two, if this was implemented, do you think that this would be receive positively or negatively so my take on super match day points is that there's too many traders that are saying that it's not affecting the way that i'm trading at all so if that truly is the case i don't see the point in keeping it because with football index if they're going to give us a new way to make money they, they want it to drive additional trading activity Otherwise, it's pointless. Personally, I'm going to end up probably making around about £50 out of this promo, which is nice. But the same thing that I've said earlier and a lot of other traders, I've not changed anything. I feel like having something like a team of the month for, you can combine it with team of the year for like a longer term thing, or you could have player of the month for each league or things like that. I feel like even though it actually adds... Because you could argue that the Super Match Day points adds more value to more players, which is why it's a good idea. But I feel like something like a team of the month, which actually adds value to a smaller pool of players, but perhaps the type of player that if you are new to Football Index, you would expect to see higher up in, say, the top 200, for example. So players who are going to end up in team of the month, they're going to be the more consistent performers, the household names. What I found quite interesting is that someone on Twitter at the moment, I forget the username, he's currently tracking if Football Index did do a team of the month, who would be in that team. So FI Data Steven, I think. Yeah, 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 that's a good account. And I looked at it today and there are a couple of players that you would consider as your typical baseline players, but there's a lot of players in there that you wouldn't necessarily think would fare well over stretch of games so I don't know if they're looking to add more long-term value or if they're because I see this as what did they describe it as like a loyalty I I feel like the super match day points thing was 
a mini stab at that, but then that doesn't make any sense because it's a 30-day holding period. I feel like the team of the month or player of the month would encourage people to, if Football Index want people to hold on to some of these players a little bit longer, it would give people more incentive to do so with a team of the month, player of the month type thing, rather than the super match day points. Because I know people kind of said when IPDs came in that it wasn't going to affect their trading, and it did in the end. I just don't see it happening with the Super Match Day points purely because of the way that the IPD trading has kind of died off a little bit and the spreads for the players lower down that are going to earn you more money from this promo when you factor in how much you need to put into the players. There's not going to be as much trading down there because you need them to have four or five absolute stomping performances to account for the spread that you may need to use to get out of that player once that 30-day period expires. Yeah, I think that it's interesting to me that after they made that statement about the long-term nature of FI, they haven't really acted on it again. I don't know. I think it just needs to be more simple. This Super Match Day thing experiment hasn't really worked. Yeah, it's just the fact that it's like 1p per 250 points or something. and Or no, it's not even that, is it? See, I don't even know it. But basically, it's like you need to factor in the amount of points that your player has scored. And then you need to factor in the amount of futures that you hold in that player. And with PB and MB, it's so easy to see because you've got that leaderboard. You know if your player's won, you know how many pence you're going to get per share, for example. But trying to actually work it out, if they had something to kind of assist with it, it might be more accepted because you could physically see the thing working. But where it's so much of a, oh, I'm not sure, like, I don't know. It's, I'm not going to say, I don't agree with, some people where they say, oh, new users are going to see it and it's going to put them off because a lot of new users don't even know about media buzz and performance buzz, so they're not going to know about this either type thing. But I just feel like there's, sounds like a broken record, but there must have been a simpler way that they could have implemented something like this. And I feel like a first step to doing something like this would have been a team of the month or a player of the month because it's, it's so much easier to implement. Mm. F.I. Gardiner here, second last question, and wouldn't be a fig cast without one of his. With so many new users recently, do you think if Football Index had its own data product, it would be another way to keep them engaged in the product for longer? I don't think it's just about a data product. I think it's just about making the data easily accessible via the existing platform. Just if you click on a player, I know they have got like a stats thing on the desktop site. I'm not sure if it's on mobile, but... I'm not going to lie, I've looked at it and I haven't got a clue what any of it means. It confuses the hell out of me. So if they had a simple way of showing similar stuff that you can get from Index Gain, I guess, like their most recent scores, their peak scores, how many times they've hit above a certain score, but it is a lot of data to be able to fit into one screen. So I think they do need to find a way to do it because it's really easy for someone new to come on and just think, okay, this player is, I don't know, 19 or 20. I think they're going to get better, so I'm going to buy them but they can't kind of instantly go in and go, oh, this person is good at winning media, this person's good at winning performance buzz, so I'm going to buy them because they're good at this aspect as well. I don't know, I think it helps to improve the pricing, but I mean, if you look at the amount of people that have onboarded without it and the fact that you can get index gain for a decent price based on the amount some of us have in football index, while I'm a data guy and I would love to see it, I think there's much more important things that they need to work on. And I wouldn't expect to see it in the near future, if I'm honest, because I think that whether right or wrong, I think Football Index probably look at Index Game, they probably look at Edge, and they probably think, well, it's kind of semi-available, and it's not stopping a lot of people from putting 
putting a chunk of money in. But then I guess I can see the other side where if they did have a data product, would more people get involved? So it's a tough one, but I don't see anything changing in the short term. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, to be honest. I tend to agree with you. We've got one last question here from Tamas Samonski. I apologise if I've butchered your name. If you had to buy every player from a certain club, which club would you pick? And you can make additional rules if you like. Oh, lovely. <laughs> it's an interesting... Who would you buy if you had to buy a hundred of every single player in a team? Well, I could be really boring and get really technical in this question and say I'd buy the value of the combined total of the most valuable club because then that means I'd be able to market sell and have more money. But more seriously, if again, if I'm looking to make more money on Football Index, maybe the youngest squad because youth is having a fairly good time at the moment. But if, again, more seriously, if I was to pick an actual team, it'd have to be from the Premier League because the likelihood of them winning media buzz is higher than clubs from other countries around the world. And obviously you have to look at performance buzz as well. So I'd probably say Liverpool just because I feel like there's going to be more hype as we get towards the end of the season. I feel like I can, even though they've got a tough tie against Atletico and I know they won't have played by the time this podcast comes out, so I won't be embarrassed. I feel like they're going to progress in the Champions League. So I feel like there's going to be a lot of opportunities for them to pick up performance buzz along the way. So rightly or wrongly, I guess my answer would be Liverpool. Interesting. I think I might go for like some sort of selling club in Europe, maybe like a like maybe a Dortmund, a Leon, something like that. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good idea. I just think that it depends. I mean, if we made another rule, like over six months, over 12 months, over 24 months, I think some of the players in some of those teams are just going to be sold. So, yeah, thinking about it, I don't think there'd be a huge amount of capital appreciation in the Liverpool players. If you think about the the type of player they've got, there might be some in a handful of them. But yeah, maybe not. Tough question. But yeah. I think that's all we've got time for, mate. (laughs) <laughs> I think, I've, I think that's I've, all we've got time for I've, I think I've used up enough of your time <laughs> <laughs> first of all welcome back Thank cheers you. for coming back on the pod no where can people find out more about you where can they find you on Twitter Footy Index LDN I'm not going to use that alias account anymore so you'll see RIP FI Rocket yeah it was good while it lasted are you selling it if anyone wants to buy it oh yeah 100% for a meal couple deal. Neymar yeah <laughs> <laughs> Layer pack spread. Yeah, layer pack spread so I can cover it because of my costs for the athletic are gonna stop me from, <laughs> from affording my layer pack spread and my cheese. It's quite a dairy orientated list that you've got there. Yeah, it was the cheddar plowman as well. Yeah, cheddar plowman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a cheddar plowman. No, me either actually. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not missing out on anything. We'll leave it on that. (laughs) Cheers, everyone, for listening. If you guys are commuting right now, have a great commute. If you're not commuting, have a great day doing whatever you're doing, walking your dog in the bath or whatever. Sorry if we didn't get to answer all your questions. There was loads across Twitter, the forum, on the Football Index Forum, Index Gain. So just keep asking those questions on all those platforms if you can. And remember, Football Index is a gambling platform, only but for what you can afford to lose and stop when the fun stops. And as London rightfully said at the beginning if it is getting on top of you if it is affecting your life then it might be a good idea to give yourself a little break cheers everyone thank you for listening